0: All uh, just want for a, just a real quick review. We've been talking about uh, servant leadership, and we're looking at the second half of our first lesson. And uh, we talked about last week the fact that uh, there's a secular style and uh, attitude that is infiltrating the church, and we need to get back to servant leadership. Last week we talked about the fact that the greatest among you shall be your servant, and that um, true servant leadership is uh, really turning the traditional business model upside down. The leader is not on top of the uh, leadership pyramid, but on the bottom. And he's providing support stability to that organization and to the people that he serves. And in succession, everyone else in that leadership team, um, then, is working their way up to the ultimate, the the pinnacle of that service pyramid would be the, uh, the saint. And so, and and the lost, ultimately, the lost. And so we need a servant leadership mentality. And today we're talking about authority. And we want to, today, my goal for this meeting is to have proper understanding. Want to give us some insights about a proper understanding and a proper relationship with authority. How do we have a proper relationship with authority? We need a working definition, first of all. And so I want to tell you that for authority, the working definition that we're going to use today is A positive, dynamic force the Lord uses to grow his church. Authority is a positive, dynamic force the Lord uses to grow his church. Today, people exercise and define authority in ways that diametrically oppose its true purpose and meaning. It's uh, misapplied, and uh, authority is misused. It's not even really authority that they're uh, leveraging. It's something completely different. We're going to talk about that today. But authority is obviously not a foreign concept in the scriptures. The word authority is used 36 times in the New Testament alone. But we're going to take a a fresh look at authority today. Let's look at that word. It's derived from two root words. Author is the first root, root word, and author means the originator of an event or condition. So that's part of the purpose of authority. It's originating an event or a condition. When you're a great leader, that's something that's very important for you. You want to uh, to offer things in people's lives that was not there before. And then to augment, that is the second derivative of the word authority, augment. And that means to make or become greater, to increase. To make or become greater, to increase. And so that's another part of the meaning of authority. So it strikes me that these are positive words and definitions, author and augment. There's nothing here that speaks of, of dominating. There's nothing here that is negative. So my running definition of authority then would be a vehicle used by leaders which allows others to have greater influence and territory in their areas of responsibility. Let me say that again. Authority is a vehicle used by leaders that allows others to have greater influence and territory in their areas of responsibility. So authority is not self-serving. Authority is for others, allowing them to have greater influence and greater territories in their lives and in their ministries. It's a tool used by leaders that allows others to have greater influence, and it's something that we need to, comp- to understand in, in our um, uh, work in the ministry. There are three surprising definitions of authority according to Strong's um, Greek-Hebrew Dictionary. That word, uh, the first surprising definition that I came upon was privilege. Privilege. That tells me that authority is not a right. We need to remember that. We need to remember that. The office that we work in within our calling and in the context of ministry, this office is greater than we are. It's not something that we own. Being a pastor is not my right. It is my privilege. When I understand that the authority that I have is something that has been given to me by God and it is something that is being held in trust, then I realize that I can't just use this any way that I want to. I always want to have a sense of what a privilege it is to be called into the work and into the ministry of Almighty God. Authority is a privilege. It's not a right. The second surprising definition of authority for me that I came across was freedom. Freedom, another definition of authority. That, that is absolutely uh, different than some people's mentality of authority. Some people, their authority, their uh, definition of authority is is about repression. But according to Strong's Greek Hebrew Dictionary, authority is about freedom. It's not about control. It's not about repression. It's not about diminishing people. It's about setting them free. As a matter of fact, a woman by the name of Dr. Sarah C. Charles said that freedom is intertwined inextricably with the exercise of authority freedom is intertwined inextricably with the exercise of authority in other words whenever you talk about authority freedom is is in that and so i hope that's that can be said about your department i hope that can be said about your church that your church when they, when people talk about you and how you use authority that people are saying i have found greater freedom in my ministry i have found that I'm going to places that I never thought I could go. I have horizons. I don't see barriers to my horizons. I'm being encouraged to my horizons. Eugene Kennedy made this statement. He said, authority is not authority unless it enlarges the healthy freedom of men and women. Wow. Authority is not authority unless it enlarges the healthy freedom of men and women. Now, notice the word Eugene's uh, reference here, to healthy freedom. I want you to note that, circle that in your outline, because there's such a thing as unhealthy freedom. If there's healthy freedom, there's such a thing as unhealthy freedom. If I throw my car keys to my 7-year-old son, that is unhealthy freedom. That's not a good thing. And so there may be times when people... Uh, or saints may disagree with your timetable. They may feel a call to evangelize. They may feel a call to preach. And there are times when in authority you have to help people to understand timing in ministry. And we have to be careful that the freedoms that we give to people are healthy freedoms. In that scenario, that is in a person's best interest for them to hear the word, not now, Uh, Let me let's talk about timing and let me help you to grow you to the place where you can answer that call. But right now, that would not be a healthy freedom for you. So given, you know, authority isn't always saying yes, but authority is definitely having a very keen sense of a desire to expand people's horizons and give them freedoms in a way that is healthy. Because know this, it's roots before fruit. And if we allow people to have more fruit and they have roots, then they become top-heavy and they fall over. So authority gives more healthy freedom to men and women. That's a surprising definition of authority for me, freedom. The third surprising definition of the word authority is delegated influence. What a word. What a thought. Delegated influence. Not the sharing of power, but a transfer of trust. As a matter of fact, when I introduce a speaker, when they come to our church, I believe in the power of the transfer of trust, especially if that speaker is is largely unknown to our congregation and they're hearing that speaker for the very first time. I'm going to take my time to kind of share the story and share uh, about my admiration and talk and just confirm and validate this person's calling and validate that they are – at our assembly and the will of God to give us a word. And what I'm doing is I'm transferring the trust that people have in me as their pastor to that individual who's getting ready to step to the pulpit. And so that is something else that is very power. I'm using the authority and the fluent influence that I have to help someone else in their office. That's a beautiful concept to me. Now understand that authoritarianism is not authority. This is very important for us to understand. Authoritarianism, uh, according to Dr. Sarah C. Charles, imposes a template of conformity on people to restrict and control their individual development. Man, that is incredible. Its meaning is revealed in the growth it hinders. Think about that, underline that. The meaning of authoritarianism is revealed in growth it hinders because of its repressive and controlled tactics which systematically reduce human freedom. I want to make up my mind today that I am not going to be authoritarianistic in my style of leadership. I want to be a servant leadership. I don't want people to be conformed. We have to be careful, pastors, that we don't, put a cookie cutter on every leader that we mentor in our lives. Our goal should not be for people to be like us. Our goal should be that Christ is formed in them. But authoritarianism imposes a template of conformity on people. It restricts them. It controls their individual, their unique calling, and their individual development. And what happens with authoritarianism is that it is repressive. It hinders people, and and it hinders their growth, and it systematically reduces their human freedom. Now I have to tell you that it's possible that even within the ranks of God's church, there are some men that don't understand that, and and uh, they they want everybody to be like them and think like them. But I got to tell you, if everybody on my leadership team thinks exactly the way I think, then we aren't going to be as creative as we need to be. And we're not as complete as we need to be. Now, don't misunderstand me. I think we all need to have the same DNA. I think we need to have a mutual commitment to the same goals. I think that our objectives for the kingdom and for this local assembly need to be in alignment. But at the end of the day, God can take diversity and help us to be more successful through diversity and through the 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 variation of the giftings that he's placed within our congregation and and so I can't demand people to be like me, and in doing that I'm taking away from the dynamic giftings that God has placed within our congregation. Look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter twenty and verse twenty five but Jesus called them unto him and said, "Ye know." That the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. This was our text from last week, and again, that that's a powerful statement that the Lord made. Makes uh, they they exercise authority upon them. That word exercise authority upon them uh, in the original language means to 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 wield or. to to exercise full privilege over. You know, sometimes we're not merciful in our spirit. We have a hard spirit. We have a hard edge. We're leaders without a spirit or a sense of compassion. And that is really a regrettable thing. And so men, they say, I'm pastor, and I'm going to exercise my full privilege and right over people because I am the pastor. I think some of that attitude where we're not merciful in our spirit and and, and we're hard on people and we're demanding on people, you know, really to me that just lets me know that there's some insecurity here. That's not how Jesus uh directed, that's not how he worked. Yes, there was commandment relationship. He was God and there was no one beside him. And he did speak with authority. But Jesus had compassion for the people that he was leading. I've, I just got to tell you right now it's coming to my into my mind that you know, nothing has done our organization more harm and I should just speak of organizations I love you. rephrase that. nothing has done more harm to the work of God than insecurity. Insecure people hurt the work of God. They don't know who they are in the context of god they don't understand the proper use of authority and so they move into this uh, attitude of authoritarianism and it hurts people let's talk about some of the problems with authority authoritarianism is manipulative power manipulative power imposed upon others this is not true authority the base of authoritarianism lies not in love but in desire for power. We have to be careful that when we develop leaders and when we bring people into our churches or we hire a new staff, that we're not bringing them into the church for what they can do for us. As a matter of fact, I've made a high-level commitment. I will not bring a staff member or hire a staff member into this congregation unless I have a strong sense of vision for them. There may be men who are immensely talented and they have a tremendous uh, track record, but if God has not given me a sense of vision for them, then they don't belong in this church. They may be very effective in the kingdom, but if they're gonna come to this local assembly, I need to have a sense of direction and a passion for their future, In a sense that God has placed a unique uh, anointing upon my life to help them and to develop them. So I don't wanna bring people into this congregation based on what they can do for me. I don't wanna be authoritarianistic and be manipulative and and to uh, bring people into my circle based on a desire for power. And then finally, another problem with authoritarianism is this, authoritarianism serves the purposes ...of the few who would dominate the many. Authoritarianism serves the purposes of the few who would dominate the many. That doesn't belong in the church of the living God. I want you to understand that all spiritual authority flows from Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 8, reading verses 24 to 25, we read, And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish... Then he rose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. All spiritual authority flows From Jesus Christ. He demonstrates that to us. He commanded the wind and the waves. In his life, he commanded devils. There's something wrong with the picture when the Lord commands the wind and the waves. And they obey him. And he commands the devil and he must flee. But he commands us. And we tell him that we'll get back to him. Or we need to pray about that directive that he's given to us. Our relationship with God is going to determine whether we exercise authority or authoritarianism. It is very hard for a man who is fully devoted to God and is, is in, the, in, a, in communion regularly with the Lord and has a strong and keen insight about who he is in light of who God is to have a spirit. Of authoritarianism if you ever stand in the presence of God you're going to realize how small you are when you stand in the presence of God you realize it's his church it's not your church when you are continually at the Lord's feet you're going to realize that there are piercings in his feet there are holes in his feet he took nails in his feet and in his hands he died for the world The church belongs to him. It's not my church. He purchased the church with his own blood. And when you are in relationship with God and you're praying and you're seeking him and and you have a real true communion with him, there's a humility that comes to you. And a proper use of authority is going to flow out of proper relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We need to understand that there's a paradox involved with authority. Here's the paradox. The more you submit to God's authority, the more authority you receive. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 6, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. There's a little lesson right there, mutual submission something that i believe god's church could really learn from mutual submission one to another so he says all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for god resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble please remember the devil wants to incite you with a prideful spirit he wants to do that For this very reason that we see here in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, he knows that God resists the proud. And if the devil can get a spirit of pride in you and cause you to nurture that spirit and those proud attitudes, you know what happens? The devil's going to step back and he's going to watch the fireworks. He doesn't have to resist you. Because God is resisting you. That's one thing I don't want in my life. I don't want I can't win that battle. I cannot win a battle when God is resisting me. So we're told to submit ourselves under our, to our elders, and he tells us to be mutually submitted one to another and clothed with humility because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble God gives grace to the humble so verse six he says humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you watch this now in due time so there's a season there's a season where God is going to elevate you as young ministers we need to be careful sometimes we can become a little bit ambitious and we can we can become anxious and and a little bit too driven. And we say, well, I'm submitted to my pastor. I've been submitted to him for three days. And still nobody's called me for revival yet. No, it needs to be a lifestyle. And sometimes God is going to try the reins of our spirit to see if we are truly humble. But if we will do that, if we'll humble ourselves, and if we'll submit to God's authority and to the authority that he's placed in our hands, in due time, he will exalt us. Don't get the wrong idea here. Exalt doesn't mean... Uh, You're going to sit at the head table. Exalt means that God is going to elevate you to his perfect will, to his perfect will. God, whatever your perfect will is for my life, I can't aspire to anything higher than that. So please get this into your spirit that the more we submit to God's authority and the authority that he's placed in our lives, that's when the Lord is is really freed to elevate us and to exalt us. He's not going to violate his own laws. And he is not going to honor your life while you dishonor the authority that he's placed in your life and his authority. Something else we need to understand about authority. You cannot understand authority unless you're under authority. You won't understand it. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 10, I know I'm walking a, a very familiar trail, a well-worn trail here, scripturally, but it's something that's good for us to hear again. This passage of scripture: When Jesus entered into Capernaum, they came unto him. There came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, "Lord, my servant lieth at the point, uh, at, at home, sick of palsy, grievously tormented." And Jesus said unto him, "I will come and heal him." The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Verse 9, for I am a man under authority. Understand that this centurion was aware of what Jesus was capable of, and he understood Jesus' authority by this verse. He said, because I'm a man under authority. He said, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Isn't that awesome? So when you're under authority, then you understand authority. I don't know if you've ever really run into somebody that – kind of has that spirit about them that, that they just don't quite get it. And without exception, these are people who they're just really not under authority. And, and they have that maverick spirit. They're, they're, they have an independent spirit. Uh, you know, not all rebellion, not all rebellion is blatant. Sometimes rebellion is an independent spirit from the flock. Oh, they still go to church, and they, they might still hang around on the leadership team, but they've kind of, they have kind of have their own agenda. They have their own thing going, and as a pastor, you can sort of sense that, and it it worries you a little bit, that independent spirit. And, and because they're not under your authority, whenever they get authority, they misuse it. They misapply it. They're not under authority. Therefore, they're not able to completely understand it. Be aware of that attitude, my friend. Beware of that attitude. Because that is the attitude of the goat. And guess what? You'll never read in the Bible, Jesus going to look for a goat. He only looks for sheep. The prodigal son was a goat. And what did the prodigal son have to do in order to repair his life and restore his life? He had to go home. The father didn't go looking for him. The goat has to come home. And so if you have an independent spirit and you have a rebellious spirit, don't wait for God to grab you by your collar and take you down to an altar. If you sense that about yourself, and if the Spirit of the Lord is talking to you, you make up your mind, I've got to take this back home. I need to get under the authority of my pastor. I need to get under the authority of my elders and my leaders. I need to stand there. That's the way the anointing flows. Verse, uh, excuse me, not verse 3, this is my third point. Here, great men of Scripture were under the authority of men. First of all, understand that great men of Scripture were under the authority of, of free things. They were under the authority, first of all, of men. In Genesis chapter 39, verses six through nine, the Bible says, "And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and knew not aught. He had to save. Uh, he had saved the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored." And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me. By now you're realizing we're reading about Joseph, and uh, we're reading about Potiphar's wife here. But Joseph refused and said to, to his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, Neither has he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Well, Joseph, we know his story. We know that he became vice pharaoh. We understand how God elevated him, but he was elevated because he knew how to stay under the authority of men. I've heard people say, well, I don't need a man to tell me what to do. I'll just let God tell me what to do. I've got news for you. Here's a little 411. Put your seatbelt on. God speaks through men, and he honors authority. He works through authority. There is no such thing as a lone ranger in God's army. It doesn't work that way. Every man, every woman in the kingdom of God must understand who their authority is in the human dimension. And they've got to stay under that authority. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, reading verses 1 through 3, it says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority. Interesting. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. So even in this passage of Scripture, Paul exhorts Timothy and says, I want you not only to recognize spiritual authority, but I want you to understand that there is such a thing as human government and human authority. And I want you to pray for those people that are in authority, that ye may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. So Paul was teaching Timothy, we should pray for all that are in authority. We should, that prayer stabilizes our ministry when we pray for authority. And acceptance of authority is pleasing to God. And I'm talking about human authority, the authority of men. I want to tell you that in my daily devotional prayer life, I pray for the authority that God has placed in my life. And uh, I, I would suggest that you do the same thing for this very reason, the scripture that we've read here today. Something else you need to understand. Not only should we be under the authority of men, but we should be under the authority of the Word of God. In Daniel chapter 6, reading verses 10 through 11, the Bible says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a four times. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying, making supplication before his God. Ultimately, Daniel was submitted to the word of God. We answer to the word of God and, and, Please understand this. Don't change doctrines because you don't want to change your behavior. You don't have that freedom. You don't have that right to do that. We need to stay under the authority of the Word of God. Before I finish, I'm going to tell you a personal story how I was confronted by the Word of God when I was having a little bit of problem in my life with authority. And I had to make a very critical decision. Would I submit to God's word, or would I insist on being right in a situation where His word was God's word was clearly telling me I was wrong? Third thing that men are, need to be under authority of. So we've talked about we need to be under the authority of men. We need to be under the authority of the Word of God. And the third thing that we need to be under the authority of is God Himself. In First Kings chapter eighteen, verse twenty-two, then Elijah said unto the people, I even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are four hundred and fifty men. Now I got to tell you here that that really wasn't the truth. The Lord came back to him and told me, said Elijah, "No, I'm sorry, uh, you're not the only one. You may feel like you are, but you're not. I have others in Israel that have call up, call upon my name that you don't know about. But I have to appreciate the fact that from Elijah's perspective, he was the only." prophet of the lord and uh understand this understand this understand that god wants us to continue to be under his authority regardless of what men do regardless of what men say i don't care who changes their message i don't care who goes their own way i want to challenge you today you make up your mind i'm going to stay under the authority of god i'm going to continue to obey his word. I want him to speak in my life. I want to say some things to you, and you're going to want to grab a a notepaper real quick and a pen, and I want you to write a few things down on your outline if you do this for me. First of all, realize this about authority. Exercising authority in your flesh is like drawing on a bank account. The more you draw on it, the less you have. Think about that for a second, would you? Exercising authority in your flesh is like drawing on a bank account. The more you draw on it, the less you have. As a pastor, I have to be very careful that I'm spiritually minded in my leadership to this church. I want to be very careful that I honor God by the way that I lead the people that I have been called to serve. And when I exercise authority in my flesh or I get into my flesh, what I'm really doing is I am eroding my credibility and my influence in God's kingdom. And the more I act on my flesh with authority, the less I'm going to have, the less authority that I'm going to have. Please remember that. Something else I want you to understand. Authority will cause a person who is spiritual to grow. I've seen that happen many times. Give someone authority who's spiritually minded, and they just blossom. But if you give authority to a carnal person, they won't grow. They will swell. When you give authority to someone, you make sure that you give authority to spiritually minded people. Sometimes as leaders, when we need a job to be done or we have a position that needs to be filled, we only ask one question. We say, can this person do it? And we look for the most talented individual. But hear me. It's not just can they do it, it's how will they do it? How are they going to do that? So if you give authority to a carnal person, they're going to have a pride problem third thing I want you to think about, if there's anything shallow about a person, if there's anything shallow about a person, giving that person a little authority will bring it out. It will bring it right out. And so we need to be careful. We need to be self-aware as well. If there's anything shallow about us, it's going to come out. I remember working with one individual, and uh, I don't know what it was about them, but um, I saw it a couple of times whenever I and, and it was only in the context uh, the only time that I ever gave this person authority was on a work day and we had what we call a, a big spring cleaning at our church where we did this massive deep cleaning to our facility and to our grounds and this individual was uh, had some abilities when it came to certain things that relate to maintenance and so there were a couple of times when I put him over teams and, and it just uh, the nicest sweetest guy but the moment and I put this person over this little team. I'm telling you, man, you talk about a Napoleon coming out. And it was like there was this transformation, that authority brought whatever was shallow about that person out, and uh, they it, it wasn't received very well. So remember that. Authority should be balanced with meekness. Here's another observation, please remember this. and. Um, There's a man, uh, I know you're aware of uh, Spurgeon, the preacher, Charles Spurgeon. He said that the meek-spirited man may be naturally very hot and fiery, but he has had grace given to him to keep his temper in subjection. He does not say, this is my constitution and I can't help it, as so many do. God will never excuse us because of our constitution. His grace is given to us to cure our evil constitutions and to kill strongholds of the flesh. That's Charles Spurgeon. I believe that. I don't think that meekness is weakness. I think that meekness is our attitude and our personality that's tempered by the Holy Ghost. And I believe that authority needs to be tempered with meekness. Final observation that I want to make is this. You'll never know how submitted you are to authority until you disagree with authority think about that you never know how submitted you are to authority until you disagree with authority well I wanted to share a quick story with you Uh, I was youth president for several years and I remember um, stepping into a board meeting an annual board meeting and some decisions had been made that I didn't agree with that impacted our department greatly, specifically our department. And there was an oversight. There was someone that had been delegated to speak to me about these things and to get my feelings, but that person had neglected to talk to me. And so when I stepped into that meeting and I was informed about decisions and I learned that these decisions (laughs) had already been made and voted on, I was disappointed. I spoke respectfully to the board. And I just told them, you know, I'm, I'm surprised by these decisions that, that that are impacting our department. I'm disappointed that nobody came and spoke to me or even asked that the vote has already been made. No one inquired of me, and I was sincere and I told them respectfully. I said, you know, when this happens, this causes me not to respect this board like I want to. Now, I was being truthful and I was speaking the truth in love, and and uh, we have a tremendous board where. Where I uh, in the district that I go to, and uh, they realized that they re- realized that no one had talked to me, and so they rescinded several of the decisions that they had made. They apologized for that, and so they did everything right. It was just an oversight, but I was still stinging from these decisions that had been made that had affected me. And not every decision that they had made had been rescinded, and uh, so I left the meeting. There was no harsh words. I. I- um, I, I wasn't disrespectful in any way, but quite frankly, honestly, I was a little offended in my spirit. And I went home just, oh, just grumbling, just couldn't believe that, uh, you know, I can't believe they made these decisions. They didn't talk to me. And, and uh, yes, they rescinded most of them, but there's a couple of things that they didn't. And, and it really it wasn't a deal killer. It was just me. I just had a bad attitude about it. One day while I was praying, the Lord directed me to Psalm 133 and verse 1. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And the Lord brought this word to me, dwell. The Lord asked me, he said, okay, so what you're telling me now is you don't want to dwell in unity. You just want to visit it when you agree with authority you don't want to live there anymore you're just going to visit it when you agree with authority oh man that was a tender hand of God coming right across my face and I felt such conviction of my spirit and in verse 2 the Lord showed me he, the scripture it says it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. You know what the Lord showed me? He showed me that's how the anointing flows. From the head, and who's the head of the church? Jesus Christ. But then it runs down to the beard. And you know what the beard is? That's the human authority that God has placed in my life. And you know what I am? The Bible says that the anointing ran from the head to the beard and then went down to the skirts of his garment then I was the garment that's what the Lord showed me that the anointing flows from Jesus Christ down upon the human leadership that God has placed over me and then finally to me and if I get out from under the beard I will never have God's anointing and favor in my life man I'm telling you conviction came on me it was it was the next time that I was able to meet that board, we went through all of our meeting, and I said, I have one more thing to say. And I told them the little story about the previous meeting we had had and how I had allowed a spirit of offense into my heart. And I asked that, that our board, would you please forgive me? I, I didn't say anything to anyone, but it was in my heart. And this is what God showed me in the scripture. That I need to dwell in unity. I need to live there, even when I don't agree. And I want to stay under the beard. I want to stay under your authority. I'm telling you, there was such a beautiful, sweet presence of God that swept into that place. It was a liberating and a beautiful feeling in my life. But I learned something. I don't know how submitted I am to authority until I disagree with authority. Think about this. Think about this, because you're going to need that insight someday. It's only a matter of time before somebody disappoints you. It's only going to be a matter of time before someone uh, makes a decision that doesn't go your way, and you're going to have to ask yourself, make this, make this up in your mind. Am I truly submitted to authority? Am I, am I truly uh, under the beard? That God has placed in my life Do I dwell in unity Or do I just visit it From time to time That's something I want you to think about That's something that I want you to pray about In your everyday life Lord Jesus I thank you for the opportunity to be here And to to just speak with uh, My brothers in the faith God We want to have a proper view of authority uh, Lord We don't want to restrict We don't want to have that attitude, Lord, that we repress people. We don't want to be authoritarianistic in our style. But, Lord, we want to lead the way that you would have us to lead. And so we reject that attitude. We reject that spirit, God, of imposing a template on others. We want to to offer healthy freedoms in people's lives, God. Give us the wisdom to know what is healthy freedom for the people that you have called us to serve. Help us, Lord Jesus, to stay under the authority of your word. Help us to stay under the authority of men, and help us to stay under the authority of your spirit. I pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.